0: Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast for Monday, August 8th, 2005. Hi, this is Michael Ozan. On behalf of Mark and I, welcome to Manager Tools. If you're new to Manager Tools, thanks for joining us. For those of you who are new, Manager Tools Podcast is really quite simple. We simply want to provide managers and leaders with specific tools and behaviors that you can use every day to improve your management skills and thereby improve your organizational performance. Although there's a lot of very interesting management and leadership theory, and believe me, Mark and I really enjoy them, that's not what this podcast is about. Rather, what do effective managers do on a day-to-day basis and how do you do it better? Today, Mark and I continue our discussions on running effective meetings. This is the second show on the topic. If you haven't heard the first, you might find it very useful to go to the website, www.manager-tools.com, and download the previous show. In addition, we have a fairly detailed outline of the show on the site, as well as a meeting agenda template that you might find very useful. So go to www.manager-tools.com and put these tools to use. So with that, let's get on with the show. Well, welcome back, everybody. Got uh, Mark Horseman with me, and we're going to cover the second part of our series on meetings and effective meetings yeah i think last time we talked about uh, why meetings don't work um so that we, we listed 10 things that uh we were recommending that folks do to to have effective meetings pre-publishing an agenda starting on time setting ground rules which we didn't cover we mentioned is one of the one of the 10 items but we're going to start off and talk about that today stick to the agenda using a parking lot fixing responsibilities finishing on time Publishing minutes, continuously improving, and selecting a facilitator. Right. We talked about the uh, first five minus ground rules last uh, last podcast. If you haven't listened to that, I'd suggest you go back and listen to that. Um, so we're going to start now and get into it and start off with uh, covering ground rules. Yeah.
1: Um, i, I got to tell you, Mike, this is one that if you're having a standing meeting, the ground rules – Probably for most standing meetings tend to be fairly straightforward. Uh, they or, they tend to be the same all the time. If you want a great example of what the ground rules should be, you can literally use these things we have listed here. We're going to have an agenda in advance. We're going to start on time. We're going to stick to our agenda. We're going to talk about what happens when we get to the end of, the, of an agenda item. We're going to use a parking lot. We're going to have a facilitator. Uh, all the things
0: we've got here can be your ground rules. Right, and the ground rules are, in fact, the cultural change that we're trying to instill in our organization. This is this, Right. That is, that's the protocol. Protocol, it's if you the yeah, So the the how we're going to take meetings.
1: Yeah. What are the rules we're going to agree to as a group? Look, we're all here together. What are the rules we're going to agree to? I'll tell you another one that I think is really good that's not listed here um, but it's powerful, and that's what I call the one at a time rule, which is look, when somebody else is talking, you get to be quiet. Um, uh, another one that's important that you often see in off sites, which ought to be true in on site or regular meetings, is no cell phones, no pagers. No blackberries, okay? Put them on the table. Put them in the center of the table. Now, some people will say, well, I, I can't survive like that. And yet, they go to lunch and they ignore their voicemail. And then, you know, their phone rings at their desk and they're not there. So clearly, they can buy, get by without that. Now, if somebody's spouse calls three times in a five minute period, okay, fine. They need to step out and take that call. But I think it's a very good ground rule to say, um, no cell phones, no pagers, or at least put them on you know on stun, on vibrate, so it doesn't interrupt the meeting. Uh, the person who gets up three or four times to answer calls during a meeting and, and and then talks in the corner of the room, totally unacceptable. They should walk outside to do it, or or literally just ignore it and let it go to voicemail. They would if they were in the bathroom. They were if, if they were in the meeting with somebody two or three levels up. They would ignore it. So I think uh, it's reasonable for them to ignore it in this particular case. Um, and then I also think again one at a time. If 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 Joe is talking, Bob and Terry. Ought not to be having a side conversation. It's not just Bob and Terry that are taken away from the meeting. It's also the people around them that can't hear whatever it is Joe's talking
0: about. Right, and so the those, facilitator's got to make and the facilitator's got to enforce these rules. too. Great right? point. And
1: you know what? I'm sorry, a facilitator or leader, because we're going to talk about having a facilitator. But there might be situations where they don't. Somebody decides not to have a facilitator. I love them, and in fact, I get hired to do facilitation all the time. But if I'm the leader and I'm facilitating my own meeting. Um, if if Joe and uh, if Joe's talking and Bob and Terry are having a little side note, I'll just put my hand up and look at him as a way to remind him. And then if I don't get their attention, I'll say, "Bob, Terry, if you could." Just real politely. Not, we're not going to embarrass them. We're not going to we're not gonna make a big deal out of it. We'll just hold up our hand and say, Bob and Terry, if you would. And then if in three meetings in a row, Bob and Terry continue to have a side, ongoing sideline conversation and they're taken away from the rest of the meeting, I'm going to take them aside and say, hey, can I give you guys some feedback? When you have sideline conversations, other people notice. It takes away from the rest of the meeting. What can you do differently? You know what they're going to say? I will stop. Okay, great. And if they really need to talk, we want to hear from them. We want to share with everybody else. We don't want to do what, what your elementary school teacher is. Would you care to share with everybody else what you're talking about? We're not going to embarrass them. We're just going to say, hey, listen, Joe's talking one at a time. It's a ground rule. A neat thing, by the way, about ground rules is to write them on a sheet of paper and and post them in a, in a room. If you have a conference room, leave it posted. Use one of those 3M stick it, sticky note easel pads and stick it to the wall so people can put a, put down, put on a don't erase or don't take down and when you have somebody who's violating the ground rules, like you're over on time or they're talking out of turn, they're, they're, you know, their cell phone's always going off, rather than the leader or the facilitator being the enforcer, you can actually let that piece of paper be in the enforcer, and you can walk over to it and point to it silently and remind everybody, hey, we've got a ground rule about that, just by your actions, and then go back and sit back down. Right.
0: Very We're going to talk about this again, right, when we come back to continuously improving. Yes, absolutely. The ground rules are one of those things we're going to hold ourselves against to see how, how well we met.
1: Yeah, are we always violating one of our ground rules? If so, is it really that important? And do we need to be a little bit more effective in some way? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So those are ground rules. And again, if, if somebody wants to start for ground rules, the ones we already have on the website document that hopefully a bunch of people have already grabbed, that's exactly what you can start with.
0: Okay. Fix, it, fix responsibilities is the next, the yeah. next high item. What do, what do you is, mean by that?
1: Yeah, this is my favorite thing if you started late if you finish late although starting and finishing on time is it will make you a god in most places but even if you do those things if you have an agenda which has specific times on it and at the end of each agenda item you do the fixed responsibility step you will be a demigod at least and it is very very simple at the end of the item let's say we're discussing plans for next week okay so to wrap up then bob you're going to do x by tuesday right and Bob says aloud, "Right, Terry, you're going to go ahead and, and provide us a report on um, the planning on this, right? Yes. And uh, who said they were going to do the um, the agenda for the next meeting? And if nobody says anything, then you got to assign it to somebody. The problem we have is too many people are um, allowing the the item that they're talking about to just sort of." Fall away, it just drifts away. Okay, we all on track? Well, no, not really. And nobody really knows who's committed to what. And if you get somebody to commit to something out loud in a meeting, they're much more likely to follow up on it. So you wrap each agenda item. What's going to be done, by who, by when? So, Bob, you're going to do X by Friday, right? And you notice we don't tell Bob you're going to do X. We say, Bob, you're going to do X by Friday, right? And you ask it as a question. That way, Bob has to say out loud, yes, or no, or I didn't understand, right. and you've got verbal confirmation right. in front of the rest and of And he's
0: group. made a public commitment. Exactly.
1: Uh, that's it. So at the end of each agenda, you wrap it. Who's going to do what by
0: when? Period. Hey, um, okay. Finish on time. Seems pretty obvious.
1: And actually, it's really pretty simple if you start on time and keep to your agenda and wrap each agenda item at the time you're supposed to, or a minute or two late. Look, everybody will forgive you running every one of your meetings. I'm sorry, your meeting's five minutes over. If you only go five minutes over every time, but the meeting that starts fifteen minutes late and then runs thirty minutes late is no longer really a meeting. It's just kind of a gaggle of people who are being unprofessional about other people's time.
0: Right, and there's probably four other meetings that were scheduled after years that are going to start exactly. Late yeah, and end late in late and in poor soul has a meeting scheduled at 4 o'clock in the afternoon is... Right. Is, not, is not eating dinner at home.
1: Yeah, exactly. I even say finishing on time is even better than starting on time. If you start five minutes late but you say, you know what, we're not going to let this run over. We're just going to finish on time and we'll just go a little faster because we were a little bit sloppy in the beginning rather than allowing our sloppiness to carry over into the next meeting, the next meeting, the next meeting of the day because so often people I know that are listening right now have
0: back-to-back-to-back meetings. Are there any, are uh, there any ex- exceptions to that rule?
1: There My, is uh, one exception. The general rule is never, never, never go over. And, and he, here's, here's the exception. If you are at least 10 minutes before the end of a meeting, and we're assuming meetings are an hour long, even though they can be much shorter than that. Uh, Any meeting that anybody else out there can get done in an hour, I can get done in 45 minutes. I really, truly believe that. Um, But if, in fact, you're 10 minutes before the end of the meeting and you believe an additional 5 or 10 or at the most 15 minutes of your meeting, uh, 15 minutes, you can finish everything on your agenda. You stop 10 minutes in advance and you say, okay, time out. We're going to run over by five minutes. I believe we can finish everything on the agenda if we run over by five or by ten minutes. Can I get consensus that that's what we're going to do? And ask the group. And if five of the ten people say, I'm sorry, i got to go to another meeting or I'm already late or whatever, then you're going to say, nope, can't do it. But if you get strong consensus that ten more minutes, everybody in the same room can finish, and you will finish everything on the agenda, then it's okay to go over. You cannot ask that question at the top of the hour, one minute before the end of the meeting. Okay, wait, 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 we're just going to go ten more minutes because that's really not managing your time well but that's the one exception if you give some people some advanced notice and you ask for their commitment if you ask for consensus on it then i think it's reasonable what's much more powerful though is if you run your meeting well by starting on time and handling each agenda item and wrapping each agenda item you can finish early 90 percent of the time so the other exception to finishing on time is finishing early um and, of course, you've got five minutes on the agenda for the parking lot. So if our meeting, again, is from 2 to 3, at 2.55, the last thing on the agenda is parking lot from 2.55 to 3, and at 3 o'clock it says adios or you know adjourn or whatever the case might be. Um, it is so important to finish on time and to send a message to your folks that you're not going to keep them over so they can professionally plan their day around the meeting that it's worth, Bob, who tends to run on a lot, getting a little bit of a bruised ego. Now that sounds harsh, but but being able to tell Bob, I'm sorry, Bob, I know you really want to keep talking about that particular logistical item, but we're going to hold back. Or I know you want to talk about the salary compensation we we're going to have next week. You know, I, we just can't right now. We need to move on. We need to get everything done we've got on the calendar. We, we'll set up another meeting to do that, just you and I, or you can do that with a subset of this meeting, or we'll put that on the agenda for next week. It's worth... A little bit of tension, a little bit of conflict at each one of those inflection points during the meeting to finish on time. People will love you as a manager, as a meeting manager, if you finish on time. And it's a great way to show respect for your folks.
0: Yeah, agreed.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, one, one more thing about finishing on time. If it's 2.59 and you're not done, you know, you've got two more things in the agenda. You still say, you know what? It's 3 o'clock. Close the books. We're done. Well, wait, there are two more things. You know what? We didn't. I didn't ask for more time. These meetings are going to finish on time. I'll talk to you all later. I'll send you an email. We'll figure out what we're going to do, but we're not doing it now. This meeting's over. And, and if you're the meeting manager, you stand up and you walk out. If you sit there and say the meeting's over, people will sit around and, and they'll keep talking. And no one will feel comfortable leaving, and so they feel like the meeting is still going on. You've got to end the meeting. Otherwise, everybody else will sit there as a matter of respect out of your position and your power. Stand up, in the meeting, walk out. And then everybody else will feel free to go and yet you'll still be able to have enough respect and professionalism you can come back and cover right, everything and you to cover.
0: And it's not respectful to the person who had another meeting yeah. left other folks are acting as if the meeting's still going on. They're actually reaching some conclusion, making some decisions and one of the stakeholders is it, not there to left. represent their interest. Exactly right. Perfect. Yep. So, what, what was next? Published minutes. Okay. Meeting's over, uh, right?
1: Yeah. You know, and this is a this is a frustrating one because a lot of people think of Robert's Rules of Order and they've got to have, you know, they want to make it really formal and so on. I don't care if the meeting, if the minutes are handwritten, but basically all minutes are are. Uh, what were what who said they're going to do what and what we decided on? It's really the high level actions and owners that came out of the meeting um, as quickly as the meeting is done. Now, in an ideal situation, you have your admin there. And if you have an admin and your admin is not coming to some of your meetings, the ones that you have minutes in, um, obviously, you don't need meeting minutes handled by a third person for all of your one on ones or meeting minutes for your stand-up meeting with your admin first thing in the morning but if you have a meeting of your staff of your team and you have an admin that admin can come in and take notes of that meeting rather than you scribbling minutes furiously based on your memory um but basically all it does is highlight who said they were going to do what and what was decided and what was reported and it's a series of bullets it's not a whole lot of discussion it's not a whole lot of detail
0: not summarizing every single point that was absolutely
1: not um and if you don't have an admin, the easy way to do it is there are 10 people in the meeting. Just rotate who's responsible for the minutes. Try to avoid the person who's doing the minutes for that week having a significant role in contributing or presenting. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean that one person always gets skipped. Um, and ideally, the facilitator can take minutes because the facilitator, as we'll learn later, does not contribute to the content part of the discussion, but really just handles the process of the meeting. Um, but again, highlight, highlight, Who's going to do what? It might be as simple as we discussed. Um, Compensation levels for next year. Bob said he'd get uh, the spreadsheet to mark by Friday. Uh, Terry said she'd have bonus numbers uh, in email by Tuesday. And that's it for that action item. Next action item might have no notes because it's essentially a, a report and everybody knows what the report said. We don't need to repeat the report in the meeting minutes. And we don't need a bunch of attachments to the meeting minutes. This is unnecessary. There's a billion attachments going around in major corporations today and small corporations too. And very few people are reading them anyway. Very simple. And handwritten is absolutely fine. Copied on the copier and put on people's desks is fine. Yes, email is fine too. It doesn't have to be a separate Word document, it can just literally be a series of bullets in the body of the email. You would not believe, Mike, how many people are, get upset that their attachments don't get read. But the fact is, the vast majority of attachments never get read.
0: Yeah, we, we should have another podcast specifically on communications yeah. forms and, and email. Email. And it's, exactly. It's, yeah. Right.
1: It's done terribly. Yes.
0: yes. And you didn't say it, but it clearly. The minutes go to every every person who participated yeah, in, in the yes, meeting. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, of course. Right? Yeah.
1: And, and the great thing is, is if there's something that comes up in the minutes, if Bob said he's going to do X by Tuesday, and we're still talking about this project, this ongoing project, one of the things that should happen is the, the the person who runs the meeting should say, well, Bob, you said you'd do it by Tuesday. It's Wednesday. Did we get that done or not? And that's a way to continue to keep things from falling through the cracks. And it's a way of sort of managing the project separately from when you're one-on-one with Bob, for instance. Yeah. Okay. Pretty simple. Again, handwritten is fine. It doesn't have to be pretty. We're not trying to impress anybody. Nobody needs to be able to search on this document. They're not going to do that. Very simple. Very quick. Okay. And
0: we said then we're going to continuously improve our ability to conduct meetings in the future. How do how do we do that? Yeah,
1: you know, you know, um, meetings are so pervasive everywhere, and everybody does them so poorly. And yet what happens is you sit, in, you sit in place this protocol for meetings, which is not hard. Once you start doing it, people will love you for it. Again, you're going, to be a, you're going to be a minor deity in your company when you start running meetings professionally like this. But what happens is we set up some ground rules, we set up some standards, and then over a three- or four-month period of time, we start drifting away from them. We go back to what the rest of the culture and organization is, is doing. Every once in a while, it helps to review what are our ground rules, are we, are we in fact following our principles here and you put it as an agenda item on one of your meetings every three months, 10 minutes meeting review. How are we doing? Are we sticking to our guns? Are we, are we avoiding the, the one-off conversations? Are people staying away from their Blackberries and pagers? Are, they take, are people taking calls in the meeting? Are we starting on time? Are we finishing on time? And as a chance for open feedback to the entire group, not just the leader, about how his or her meetings are being run and whether or not they're effective. And if you like the new way and you want to make some changes, there may be a more effective way. Are we using the parking lot right and so on? Simple as looking at the ground rules and asking ourselves whether or we're following them. And then after we decide whether we're following them, are we, in fact, agreeing that they work? And if they don't work, we change them. Simple as that.
0: What's your experience in terms of how long it takes to kind of create a culture around running effective meetings in an organization? And I, let me put a framework around it. Say an organization of 50 people.
1: Um, in other words, fifty people that 's the entire company, fifty people,
0: yeah yeah, or the or, yeah
1: well, it 's pretty quick if you if the CEO runs her meetings correctly it 's easy everybody 'll start running their meetings right um, if it 's a five thousand person organization and you 're a director and you 've got five hundred people in your organization, if you want to change your organization 's meetings it 's real easy start running your meetings a certain way and turn to your directs and to your managers or your uh, senior managers and say, "This is the way I want you to run your meetings." And I'll be sitting in, and I'll be giving you feedback about your meetings. Believe me, you'll change the culture. I guess the overarching answer, the first answer that popped in my head was, "It doesn't take very long. All you have to do is run a couple of meetings and show them that your meetings get things done, are respectful, start on time, finish on time, and they can they can be sure that they're gonna they're they're gonna be treated well, and they'll get it and they'll fall right along."
0: All right. The fact that you're, a smaller, that you're a smaller organization and a much larger organization. Yeah. The fact that the large organization doesn't embrace those values doesn't mean that there's no, not value in running really your doesn't. meetings effectively.
1: I don't think you're going to tick anybody off. And, and uh, we go back to well, – somebody goes to another you – know, this IT person who's listening to us right now goes to a marketing meeting and says, man, those guys, they don't have an agendas. They're going off on tangents for four hours. It drives me crazy. And you just kind of they, – they kind of walk out of the meeting and go – well, yeah, okay, another bad meeting. And one of the marketing guys finally says, what are you laughing about? Hey, we run re- meetings differently over my department. What do you mean? We start on time, we finish on time, we get everything done. Ah, it's not possible. Hey, come to one of my meetings one time and see. People come to the meeting as an observer and are just blown away because of the momentary, the willingness to, to tighten things up just a teeny bit, and because people are willing to accept that in return for getting hours of their schedule back every week, they're amazed. And then they say, ah, how can we do that in my organization? Yeah, simple. Yeah. So you just focus on the process of your meetings. How are we doing? Do we like our ground rules? How's our timing? How's our agenda? How are our minutes working out? What roles do we have? And then don't forget to pat people on the back. There are some people who are always on time of meetings that always give great minutes. There are other people who are always late in minutes. You don't have to make a big deal out of that. But those people who are who are contributing to successful meetings in a professional way. Make a point of saying thank you to them. It makes your job so much easier. You go back to the old way, which everybody, I don't know anybody who likes going to meetings anymore. Come to one of my meetings. You'll see it starts in time, finish in time, and we actually get something done.
0: Hey, next thing we want to talk about was Facilitation. Now, obviously, that's, we're talking a little bit about. Or we've talked about. You know, we finished on time. We've published the minutes. We're continuously improving. So why did we? Why do we talk about facilitation now? What, now? What's different about that? It's
1: actually one of the most powerful levers you can use in a meeting, Mike. And the reason we're talking about it now is because I've coached hundreds of managers, if not thousands of managers, on how to run meetings, and they can do everything else on on the list pretty easily all by themselves. It's really, it's their own behavior. Having a a facilitator is a little bit harder, and I've seen more managers struggle with this, so I wanted to take it out of the stream and take an extra couple of minutes to talk about it. And basically what you mean by having a facilitator is, and we're going to use the example of Mike, let's say as a vice president, and I'm a director that reports to Mike. And you have 10 direct reports. They're all directors, just like me. And in this particular case, having a facilitator means Mike as the VP is not going to run his own meeting. He's going to be the leader, but he's not going to be the facilitator. I'm going to be the facilitator or the person who runs the meeting. Okay? Now, he could have his admin do it. That's fine. So it, it, the key point is separating the leader from the person who runs the meeting itself. And when I say run in the meeting, I mean keeping us on the agenda, keeping us on time, wrapping up each agenda item by fixing responsibility ending on time, making sure we get the parking lot covered, and so on. Enforcing the ground rules. Essentially enforcing the ground rules, exactly yeah. right. Now, here's the beauty of it. Mike, when you're the VP and you're running the meeting and you're providing input to the meeting as well, you can't do both of those things right. exceptionally well. You can do one or the other really well. You can either focus on the content. In other words, you want to you want to have your two cents about the new salary issue or about the new uh, IT rollout or whatever. Or you can really worry about making sure everybody's voice gets heard and making sure we're marching on time along the agenda. Yeah, absolutely. But it's hard to do both. If you offload the process of the meeting, think about a meeting as having two parts. Content, what you're talking about, and the process, which is the agenda and how you actually talk about it. If you offload the process part of your meeting to facilitator, in this case one of your direct reports, me, I'll facilitate the meeting. So you'll be sitting at the head of the table and I'll say, okay, guys, we're going to start. And i say, it's 8 o'clock, welcome everybody. At 8.05, Bob, it's your turn. Or and, and I need to come back and cover one other point. At 8 o'clock, when we start, if we have five minutes for welcome, okay, we don't wait to 8.05 to cover Bob's first agenda item if we're done with a welcome in 30 seconds or a minute. If we finish an agenda item early, we move right on to the next agenda item. Just to be clear, we never said that out loud. We know we don't run over but we're also willing to start early for an agenda item sure. if we finish the previous one early, just to be clear. Probably a stupid point, but I wanted to cover it. Um, but I'm the one that looks, in fact, a third party coming into this meeting will think that I'm the boss because I'm running the meeting. And you're sitting there kind of relaxing, but the beauty is you can focus on content. You can have in a dialogue and exchange with everybody on your team, and I'm the one running the meeting. Now, what that also means is that I'm out of the content discussion. Because I'm worried about the process. As a facilitator. Exactly right. right. If I'm the facilitator, I don't contribute on the content side of the meeting. I worry about the time, about the minutes. If Whether I'm doing them or somebody else, I generally don't recommend the facilitator be the one that actually writes the minutes. Um, and making sure that everybody's voice gets heard and worrying about the ground rules. And that allows you to totally focus on content. And then, quite frankly, to do it well, it takes you offloading that to somebody else. Can you do it? Can you do it all by yourself, the leader and facilitator? Yes, you can. But it's far more powerful to let somebody else do it. And they'll all get better. All your directs, me and everybody else who reports to you, will get better at running meetings if we run your meeting and we get to see you provide content input rather than process input. All right. So I'm, I'm saying, okay. And, and, and I'm talking to your directs now, and I'm saying to my peers, I'm saying, okay, Joe, I'm sorry we're out of time. And I guarantee what will happen is everybody will look at you. And you're going to have to learn to look at me and say, hey, Mark's running the meeting. We're out of time. Clearly he's in charge of the agenda. It's 8:10. We said we would be done by 8:10. We got to wrap it up. Um, and I'll say okay Bob, so finishing up, you're going to do this by Tuesday, right? Okay, great. Thanks. Next item on the agenda, Terry's going to give us a report on the IT conversion dates and whether or not our data is good. Right. Go ahead
0: Terry. All right. Well, as a facilitator and leader, the 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 challenge is the problem is that you're all too willing to sacrifice the rules in your own interest because yeah. You're the boss, yeah, and And that's and that sends the wrong messages, obviously.
1: Yeah. So um, what I see happening is bosses want to go to the content stuff because that's what their job is, and they forget to do the process stuff, and the meeting ends up running over. So. It's interesting. Some people say, well, gee, I don't want to give up the power of running the meeting. Oh, believe me, your direct reports will see you as having a great deal more power if you're willing to give up the process of the meeting to give you more focus on the content. They will say, wow, she is really confident in who she is. She can let somebody else run her meeting so she can mix it up with us about the ideas and and really the important stuff of this meeting rather than the facilitation, the process of the meeting. We really want to get to the content of it. That's seen as power, not as weakness. Right. Yeah. Simple as that. Uh, But of all the 10 that we've talked about, facilitation is the one that's done the least because it's hardest because so many people want to hold on to both process and content. It's a mistake. It's ineffective. But I've I've been less effective at convincing managers to do that one than I have any other one. And that's it. Cool. You do those 10 things. You know, I I hate to say this because this really sounds terrible. But if you do five of those 10, you're going to be immensely more effective than anybody else. If you do all 10... You'll be knocking home runs out of the park, and your team will love it, and they will proselytize in other parts of the organization, if it's a large organization, about how effective your meetings are, and they won't grumble all the time about meetings. It's something else that will happen. Your hour-long meetings will start lasting 45 minutes because you guys will start realizing what you can cut out of meetings, and your team will love that as well.
0: Well, your team loving meetings? Well, maybe that's not going to happen, but just perhaps you'll get some feedback from folks about how your meeting was the most effective meeting they've been to in several weeks. Well, that's possible and probable if you follow the 10 steps that we're talking about on this show and last show. Next week, we're going to talk about some feedback we've gotten and really wrap some things up on meetings as well as talk a little bit about uh, some of the feedback and questions we've got on -on one-on-ones and the feedback model. Until then, have a great one.